This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. My vision was always to expand and always really to create a brand as opposed to a nail salon. So what okay. is this brand? Yeah. What is the Starbucks of nails that can be on every corner? It's a brand. It's a known entity and known quantity of what you're getting when you go to a glass shop. That was always the vision. Welcome to The Real Real, where I take you behind the Instagram reel and into the real lives of entrepreneurs, content creators, and anyone who inspires me and may inspire you too. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Real Real Podcast with me, Natalie Barbu. I haven't filmed an intro in quite some time because we've kind of just been jumping into the episodes since I've been doing them in person. And I want to know what you think. So the intros are only going to be on the audio version because I'm not going to record video for them for YouTube. But I have been uploading my podcast to YouTube. You can actually watch us. I want to know what you think about the YouTube videos because I've been obsessed with them. They definitely get less views on my channel than like my normal videos do, but I don't really care. And also on YouTube, you can have like a podcast playlist. And so YouTube does flag it as a podcast. So I think that's just really interesting. And I'm really excited to start just doing more things in person, more solo episodes, more things with friends. I've been really happy with my podcast lately and I would love it. Like it would mean so, so, so much to me if you guys left five-star reviews, if you guys do enjoy the podcast because that not only helps it get discovered, but it also just like I I can actually see that people care, you know, because podcasting especially is so one-sided. Now that I'm on YouTube, I can actually see comments in the videos, which is nice, but I've only uploaded three episodes on there so far. So like, I feel like people aren't used to it yet and they don't know about it yet. And I also feel so annoying because now I literally feel like I'm promoting something new every single day on my Instagram stories with like sponsorships, Rella, podcasts, YouTube videos. I'm like, I don't want to be just like a walking advertisement. So I need you guys to tell me if that's annoying or not. I try to be very active on my stories with a bunch of other random stuff. But then I'm like, do you guys care about that too? So I really, I just need your feedback, guys. Okay, please. But (laughs) anyways, today I interviewed Rachel Apfel Glass. She is the founder of Gloss Lab, which if you don't know what Gloss Lab is, it's pretty much like the Starbucks of nail salons, I would say. That's in her words, not mine, but I loved it. So I was like, I need to include that when I intro her. But she's the founder of Gloss Lab. It's a waterless, very sanitary nail salon like sanitation and sustainability is like part of her kind of like mission with gloss lab and i get my pedicures done there now and it is incredible they have some in miami new york washington dc and texas and connecticut i believe so if you guys live in any of those areas definitely check it out i'm obsessed and they have memberships as well where you can get like unlimited manicures and pedicures but it's just a great concept and she's creating a cult following and a cult brand We only had about 30 minutes to record, so it's kind of like a rapid-fire podcast, so that's why I don't want to spend too, too long on this intro. It's like a 25-minute podcast. It's super, super quick, but I think that we got a lot of, like, I was able to ask a lot of the questions that I wanted to ask. Like, I was like, okay, I really want to know the logistics of this, and so just, like, when you're listening to this, it's going to feel more, like, rapid-fire, like I said, but 
the information is still there and it's so good and we got to record in person. So if you want to actually see us in the Rella office from my little podcast studio, then head on over to my YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash Natalie Barbu or you can just type in the Real Real Podcast on YouTube and I'm sure that it will come up. But yeah, if you guys want to actually watch it, then you can do that. I've been big into video podcasts lately. I've been watching them on YouTube when I like get ready or go to bed or I don't know. It's just been on in the background and it's so nice to have that video supplement. So I hope that you guys love it as much as I do. And without further ado, let's get into the episode. But I'm very excited to have you on the podcast. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So you don't live in Miami. You're based in New York. I'm based in New York. But you're here for meetings, opening. I know that you have a lot coming soon in Miami, right? We have stores opening here. We have three open and then many more opening. Okay, great. So here for stores and meeting the team and things like that. Yeah, well, I actually just got my nails done at Gloss Lab the other day. Not my hands. So these are overgrown. But my toes, I got my toes done at Gloss Lab the other day. And it was my second time going. It was such a great experience. Like that's where I'm getting my pedicures. Amazing. I'm so happy to hear that. Yeah, no, but I'm obsessed with Gloss Lab. Like I've got my pedicure done there. It was such a good experience. I was in and out really quickly. And that's like what I wanted. Like I was like, I want to have a good experience there. What was your aha moment when you started it? And why was it you always, you know, had an interest in starting a nail salon? You always wanted to be an entrepreneur? Or what was kind of that moment that made you want to start it? I have always been very entrepreneurial since I was a kid. Always ideas, always starting businesses, always just had that. Mm -hmm. And I worked in finance for 10 years at a business school. I always felt like a manicure was an errand. It was Mm -hmm. part of my week. But something I wanted done really efficiently. So had the idea for a long time, but ultimately left the world of finance. I have two young daughters after my second daughter was born. And I felt like this is the time to Mm -hmm. really be doing something that I love. Yeah. And I mean, I can totally relate growing up. I was always starting like businesses and even I mean, they didn't go anywhere. But you know, it was always that mindset. (laughs) Was that like your childhood? Were you starting these little tiny things? And like in college, did it expand to that? Or when you moved to finance, were you still doing like side hustles? Or what were kind of those first early on? So same thing when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. like doing these little businesses that some were for charity or some were just businesses, but I always loved doing that. And then in business school, I ran a small business And then I went into finance, but I felt like I was fundraising. So Mm -hmm. it was very eat what you kill. It was almost like an entrepreneurial job, even though it wasn't really my own company. So I liked it. I really liked that. But I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. And when you decide that you wanted to do your own thing, were you looking? Were you like, okay, what can I start? Or was it you were at the nail salon one day and you were like, why is this not better? And it kind of clicked like that. I would say a mix of both. I've always been looking for something. What is that thing? And getting my nails done was very much part of my routine. And it was just a pain point for me. It was not how I wanted it to be done. Yeah. I mean, I know when I go to the nail salon, I go somewhere like close to where I live for my manicures, but I always dread going. Like it's like I put in my headphones, I put like a show on or something like that. And then I feel rude because I'm not like talking to them. And then it's just like, it takes so long. And I'm just sometimes it hurts. And you know, it's just, it's not a good experience. The place is not cute. You know, it's not like it's like a fancy place. So that's why when I went to Gloss Lab the other day, I was like, wait, this is 
so cute and the branding is so nice like I took a photo while I was there and I yeah. got a pedicure so I was like had my laptop in my lap I was like doing work while they were doing my toes and I like took a photo posted on Instagram and I'm like I would never you know post on Instagram I would post on Instagram when I get in the car and I'm like oh look at right. my nails but never like actually at the nail salon was that intentional I'm assuming yes because it's so it beautiful was. but it, it was definitely intentional that people of course love taking pictures of their nails mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it was intentional in our design of the space to make it a place that people like to take pictures of their nails in. So mm -hmm. we have selfie mirrors, we have clean, everything is super clean, but a place where you would really take pictures of yourself and of your nails. Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heirs tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 400 50 degrees, reduces and repairs split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration, and according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet, Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard earned cash when I need it most. 
Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. When you first had that idea, was it something that you, you know, yes, you were like, okay, I want people to share this on social media, but was it also something where you were like, okay, I want people to feel like they're in a better environment than the typical nail salon, or I want to like have influencers come in here kind of, was that like from the get-go you're thinking with that? Yes. I wanted it to feel like, I think of a manicure as an errand. Mm-hmm. I, I know that for me, it's about having the finished product. Mm-hmm. Unlike getting a massage where you relax and enjoy a manicure is like, I just want it done. Right. So, but I wanted to make it still a nice experience while you're getting your nails done. So while it's efficient, what are pieces of this experience that we can make that it's actually enjoyable while you're there? Yeah. And when you first started, did you have pushback? Because I mean, there's a bunch of nail salons you know there's every street has like your generic local nail salon were people like why are you starting a nail salon company especially with your background in finance you know you're you didn't work at a nail salon before what was that pushback or what was that like initial reaction so much pushback people thought I was crazy I thought I was crazy I thought (laughs) I was crazy myself what did I do I'm leaving this like great world of finance it was very cushy very not easy but I was like, what am I doing? I'm sitting, you know, I had a, I went to business school. I worked in finance. I'm now sitting, I went to nail technician training school as part of my diligence for Gloss Lab. I really wanted to get under the hood of the business. But even when I was there at the time, now it's a great story. But at the time I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) What am I doing with my life? What's going on? But I, I kept sort of this bigger picture in my head. Yeah. How did you kind of get over that though? Like, how did you realize like, no, this is what I want to do. And this is going to be successful. Were there like validation metrics that you kept seeing? Could you not stop thinking about it? Like what kind of kept you going? I knew that I couldn't stop thinking about it. So I knew it was something Mm -hmm. and I knew I liked it, but it's hard. It's hard to have those validation metrics. And I still, I still have the questions. I still today, like, Clearly, the business is in a really great place and exciting things are have happened and are happening, but I still question it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still I still have the questions yeah. every day, but I think it's just for me, it's like recognizing that and just kind of being aware of it. Mm-hmm. And that helps me. Yeah. And I know you guys have raised money. Was that something that you knew going into it that you wanted to start a venture funded company since you worked in finance in the past? So I... Started the company myself. I bootstrapped to our first two locations and then did a fundraise. Oh, I really wanted to show something initially instead of raising money from Mm -hmm. the beginning. That was maybe crazy, but that's how how I did it. And then we went out to raise money. 
yeah. to, to really expand and grow. Because, you know, usually people will raise money from the beginning, like with just like an idea. They're like, OK, we want to raise money. And I think that so we raised money for Rella and it was something that in the beginning we did everything that we could ourselves, like before raising. We didn't raise until after we had a product out in the market. We were out for almost a year before we like actually closed our round. And so it was something where we really wanted to make sure that we had like a proof of concept. Like, yeah, you can raise on an idea, but like I wanted to feel secure yes. and like I'm doing I'm, I mean, I'm dealing with other people's money. I want to make sure that I'm actually creating something that is good. Is that kind of how you felt? Like, did you feel pressure when you were raising that, you know, that's why you wanted to also like bootstrap in the beginning and do it on your own because you wanted to, you know, not let anyone down? Or? Yes, I, 100%. I felt like in the beginning, I wanted to make the mistakes on my own. Mm -hmm. Now, looking back, I think that was maybe silly, but that's how I did it. So I do feel, yes, having investors, it's having people that are, of course, believing in me, believing in Gloss Lab, believing in the team. And there's certainly pressure with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to take you back to kind of the beginning days of when you had this idea. What were the, some of the first steps that you took to actually make this a reality? Because so many people, especially listeners of my podcast, it's a lot of people that want to become entrepreneurs or they want to start a business or they already have. I think that first step of like, I have this idea, but like, how the heck do I do this is the hardest. I know for us at Rella, like I have an engineering background, but I'm not technical. So I had no idea how to build an app. I was like, I have no idea what to do. Like, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. And I just started by like researching. And that was how it snowballed from there. But for more of like a brick and mortar, like an actual physical location, I feel like it's a little different. What was that first step that you did when you're like, I'm going to go after this? Yeah. I tried to do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. I went to nail technician training school. I visited a lot of nail salons. I hired task rabbits to stand outside nail salons at certain times of day to check how many people were coming in and out and what services they were getting. That's how I made my original model. Were the salons like, what is this guy doing here? Like counting? It was, it was so <laughs> weird. I, I mean, it was, but it was how there was no data on the industry. So that's how I got our first numbers. And I spoke to as many people as I could. And I think in the beginning, it's, you look at those things and you're like, again, what am I doing? This mm -hmm. seems so silly or this seems so little, but I sort of made this deal with myself that I was going to do three things every day for Gloss Lab to push it forward. And this is like early, early, early days. If it was making a deck and sending it to people, calling three people, like whatever those things were, but just using the network I had to build it and to push it forward. When you first reached out to people, what was kind of your initial pitch? Was it like, hey, can you just listen and tell me what you think? Or like, what were you asking when you reached out to your network? So I would say in the beginning, my network was believing in me. It wasn't so much the idea. So I really reached out to people that I knew and trusted. And even if it was from different walks of life, like from the finance industry, they were believing in me. So mm -hmm. it, it was the idea. And that's, that's really where I started as opposed to, you know, and then telling them the idea. But I think in the beginning, it's all about the founder, because mm -hmm. that's who you're, you know, you're betting on, on that person. Mm -hmm. And you're a solo founder, right? I am. So 
I know a lot of investors, like I feel like solo founders, it's harder to get funding. It's harder to, you know, it's honestly harder just to be a solo founder, period. Have you ever felt like you wanted to bring someone else on or have you felt like that it is more difficult being a solo founder or what have you kind of felt around that? So in the beginning, I think it is definitely difficult. I started it myself. I had the idea myself. And then I have since then brought in partners who I wouldn't say are technically co-founders, but are partners in the business. And I feel really fortunate to have that because it is lonely and hard to do Mm -hmm. it by yourself. So that's really, really helped me tremendously. Yeah. When you're looking to you know, bring on those partners. What were some of those partners? Like what were some of the skill sets that you were looking for? Since obviously one person like can't have every single yes. skill. So yeah. what were some of those like complementary skills that you were looking for? So I agree with you. I was looking for partners that had different skills. Two partners have done this before. They have built and scaled four wall businesses and invested in other businesses. So that is tremendously helpful. Mm -hmm. And then I would say for other pieces, I am not an operator. I've never operated stores. I hired an operator. That was my first hire Mm -hmm. is someone that had that expertise and had that experience. So I think between partners and really hiring, you know, as soon as you can afford to, my advice is always to hire either the things that are your weaknesses or the things that just aren't your power zone. Yeah. And I mean, now you have stores in a bunch of different states. I saw like Florida, DC, New York, Connecticut, Texas, like that's incredible. In the beginning, though, when you first opened in New York, and you started in New York, was your goal to expand all over? Like, was that kind of your vision? And that's kind of what you were going after? Or how did that expansion start? Was it like those first two stores were like, Oh, wow, like this is doing well, like this can expand? Or what was your vision? My vision was always to expand and always really to create a brand as opposed to a nail salon. So what is this brand? What is the Starbucks of nails that can be on every corner? It's a brand. It's a known entity and known quantity of what you're getting when you go to a glass lab. That was always the vision. Which is interesting that you say like, what's the Starbucks of nails? Because when when you do think of nail salons, you just think of local places. You don't have a brand name until now, obviously, of the nail salon. Do you see other... Because I'm sure that that was part of your pitch, you know? Do you see other industries or did you explore other industries where you could create a brand that maybe there wasn't disruption in it yet? I just looked at nails. To me, it was also something that I understood and Mm -hmm. related to. So it was very personal for me of something that I knew, you know, yeah. I, I don't think I would be doing this as well or in the same way if it was something that I just was, it, I wasn't a customer of. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's so important to be a customer of your product. You don't have to be, but it definitely helps so much. Yes. Like for us, I mean, me being a creator is like the biggest differentiator, yeah. you know, and it's like the biggest, it, it makes the biggest difference because I actually use our product every day. So I'm yeah. like, oh this can be better. This can be better. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. I still do. I go into our stores and I'm, I'm no longer anonymous in my stores, but I, I'm the customer. So I, I, every time I go in for a manicure or pedicure, I have, you can ask my team, I have pages of notes of like, this happened, this happened, this happened, this needs to do this better because I'm the customer. (laughs) Yeah. Does everyone get like nervous of who's doing your nails or? (laughs) I think I'm there so much that no, but it, you know, I take a lot of notes when I'm there. Yes. That's funny. They like see you writing and they're yeah. like, oh, <laughs> What's going on? yeah. Yeah. 
And I know, like you said, that you did want to have that brand identity. And that was like something from the beginning. How do you build a brand identity, though? Because it's a buzzword. Like community is a buzzword. Having a you know brand is a buzzword, I feel like. But how do you actually build it? Because I think Gloss Lab has done a really great job disrupting that nail industry. I think it's really hard to build a brand. And I think it's a combination of your user journey with the brand and how that starts. And that's everything from going onto our app. Are you finding an appointment at the time that you want to? Are you walking by a store? Are you coming in? Are you getting a service? Like any point Mm -hmm. that that journey starts. And then just that ongoing relationship with the brand. How are we talking to you? How are we servicing you? It's something I do think we've done a good job at, but it's something that we work on all day, every day. Yeah. So logistically, when you were coming up with this, did you have like user stories like, okay, they walk in and I want them to feel this way or this way? Or was it just kind of like a vibe that you wanted to embrace? Like how specific were you when you were creating it? I would say a mix of both. So for sure, customer journey, but also what is our top level? Like what are our, we're hygiene focused, we're waterless, we're efficient, we have a membership model. So all of those are the core tenets of the brand from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, why are you guys waterless? What's well, because I know that sets you apart. Is yeah. it what's well, now, what now you're putting me on my like, you know, I'm going to preach on the, the waterless. Okay. <laughs> the waterless, I did tons of research on it. And water is a breeding ground for germs and bacteria. Number one, it also really changes the shape of your nail. So the polish doesn't apply as well mm-hmm. with the water. So it really should be as dry as possible. And then there's also the environmental aspect of just we're saving so much water. Gallons and gallons, I think something like 15 gallons per pedicure that we're saving. Wow. Yeah, I know. And also I never, like I'm someone when I, so the first time I went there, I didn't realize that you guys were waterless. And I was like, oh, this is new. I don't like like soaking my feet in. I hate feeling like pruney. I hate, I don't know. I just like, I also have always felt like a little gross about it. You know, I'm like, oh, like, I don't know. No matter how clean, it's really not that clean. Yeah. And so I actually really enjoyed the experience, but I always thought that that was like interesting. I was like, I wonder why they're doing this. So it makes sense. And I feel like it's very visible, your mission and your branding when you do walk in. And then you guys also have like a very strong community. I feel like people... I feel like they're a part of that Gloss Lab community, especially with the membership model. But even aside from that, was that also something that you like wanted to really build? Because again, like community is a buzzword. But was that something that you were like, I want to have a strong cult following with this? Or I know everyone wants to, but like, how did you actually implement that and like make it happen? It was definitely, I would say, in the plan of Gloss Lab of creating a community. And I do feel like we've been fortunate that it's really built itself organically. I love anecdotally being at Gloss Lab and seeing someone come in for a manicure and seeing someone that they know who's also yeah. a member. It's sort of like, oh, you're a member, I'm a member. And it's like this this community and that's really cool. Mm-hmm. And was the membership model like the biggest thing that you thought about for honing that community or there, were there other things that you kind of wanted to incorporate that would build that? I would say it's all the things. I think the consistency of the experience and the service that has built community just because people are loyal to the brand and come back and mm-hmm. they come back and they see their friends and they tell their friends. So that's really been community building. And then just 
any chance we have to engage, particularly with our members. Mm -hmm. Um, But the membership is a huge piece of the community for us too. Yeah. No, I mean, I I totally get that. I feel like it's kind of like workout studios. You go to your, you know, Tuesday at 930 and then you see everyone else that goes to that Tuesday at 930. It's like you feel more connected. And I think it's just because you have, you know, the people that you know and that you see every week there. And so do you have any advice for someone that is starting out in an industry that you know, either needs disruption or is a very popular industry, maybe not in like the branding aspect, but just like there's lots of nail salons out there, for example. How do you make your mark? How do you like actually stand out and find your way in? Or how do you get people to be like, hey, you don't need this experience of like, you know, people are used to just like the standard, okay, it's the ugly nail salon that you go to, but all you're there for is getting your nails done. Like, how do you convince people that? No, no, no. You can elevate this experience and have like a better experience doing this. Yeah. I think you're always going to get people saying no. Mm-hmm. And I got people saying no up until we have 20 locations now. So mm-hmm. people said, no, the whole, what are you doing? Why are you opening a nail salon? Why are you, you know, there's so many nail salons. So I think that's across any brand, any industry. I think people always say no, but if yeah. you, I always go with my gut. So I, I listened. Yeah, no. And I mean, good thing that you did because it, <laughs> it did a good job. Now that you have built this brand, now that you have built Gloss Lab and disrupted that nail salon industry, do you see other ones that you're like, oh, someone needs to go in I and do. Like, do that? I do. What are some yes. of those? One is maybe Gloss Lab part two. So I can't okay. say, but I definitely do. I see, I see it across the board of just, I think there's a lot of industries where there's so much room and it may not be creating a brand in the industry. It may just be disruption in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of that a lot with workout studios, like SoulCycle. I mean, it's been around for some time now, but I feel like before SoulCycle, cycling classes were not no cute yes. like yeah. <laughs> it was like you would cycle like the ymca type of vibe like right. i felt like it wasn't right. like nice so i feel like that was one that they like disrupted that industry starbucks obviously with coffee but like way right. back in the day so i know I, I love looking at things like that i'm again like relish software so we've never done any like physical product but i'm always looking at things i'm like oh Someone needs to do that. Like yes. that needs to be That's better. That's usually how it starts. It's like you you see this need or it could be better. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, thank you so much, Rachel, for coming on my podcast. This was amazing. I mean, again, like I'm so happy we got to chat because I'm a huge fan of Gloss Lab. And so I think thank you're you. doing a great job. Thank you. It's so great to be here. So yeah. nice to meet you. And where can they find you? Where can they find like the locations? So we website? have, you can find glosslab.com at glosslab and we have locations in New York City, Miami, Dallas, and DC and more coming soon. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovon Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then. 
Hey there, my name is Renee Rena, and I am the mom friend you have always wanted. I am also the host of the Mom Room podcast. We publish two episodes per week, a co-hosted episode on Tuesdays and a solo episode on Thursdays. Popular topics include pooping and having sex after giving birth. I have a solo episode where I talk about not sharing a bed with my husband and why that's okay. I hope you'll tune in to these conversations every week. Join us on Instagram at the mom room podcast and start to feel a little less alone in this crazy thing called motherhood.